Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, uh, I want to welcome everyone here in this room and uh, those that are watching online this morning. Uh, great to have you with us, part of our uh, online community and part of the Bendigo Baptist Church. We trust you're blessed as well this morning. Has anyone ever said to you that you're not a very good listener? Oh, there's one honest bloke in the room, hey? Probably there should be a few hands going up here in the room this morning uh, if we were fairly reflecting on that question. You know, my, my wife once said to me that I had two particular faults, which I thought was rather strange because uh, for 25 plus years, she's been telling me that I'm practically perfect in every possible way. What were my two faults? Well, she said to start with, she, well, she said, well, you're not a very good listener. And then she said something else I really can't remember, to be honest, uh, after she'd said that. Nah. Do you know what? Uh, how good are you at listening to the things that maybe somebody is wanting to say to you? You know, in the Lovell household right now, it's a fair bit of excitement going on as we are eagerly sitting around. We're not sitting around, but we are anticipating. We are listening for the phone call from our son to say that, hey, mom, dad, your granddaughter is about to make her bold entrance into the world. We are looking forward to that. You know, uh, Listening, one of the things I've learned about listening over the years is that it's much more than just kind of the fact we've got been given two ears. You know, listening is, it's an active skill where we are endeavoring to uh, make sure that we are not only hearing that person, but we are uh, endeavoring to understand what they are saying to us. I remember when I was a kid, I knew when my mum was wanting to get my attention because she'd begin to shake her finger and she would say, young man, you better listen to me. I kind of knew in that moment that I was probably in a fair bit of strife. You know, uh, they say you become, you, you never, often children will say, you know what, you don't want to become like your parents. Well, something similar happened to me a number of years ago when my son, I won't say who it was, but it was my eldest son, um, and he won't be watching online right now because he'll be online doing what he is doing as a pastor, but I remember saying to him, son, listen to me. I said, your mum might have brought you into this world, but if you keep talking all like that, I'm about to take you out of this world. I think he got, I think he kind of got the drift with what I was saying. Now, was I serious when I was saying that? No, I wasn't going to take him out of the world, okay? If anybody's worried about that, I wasn't going to do that, but I wanted him to hear me. I wanted him to be listening and to actually understand what I was trying to say to him in that moment. You know, as I was thinking this week about the important skill of listening, it reminded me on, on one occasion where, where Jesus actually told a story, where he actually started and finished a story with the word listen, or with this uh, urging of people to listen to what he was about to say. You know, if you've got a Bible this morning, I want to encourage you, come with me to Mark chapter 4. I actually want to have a look at this story together with us today, because, you know, when Jesus says listen, I actually think, well, you know what, we better be listening. You know, early up in his ministry, we've been doing this series called King Jesus, where we have been following the story of King Jesus early up in his ministry and he and his 12 disciples. And, and early up, we are realizing that Jesus had no trouble pulling a crowd. In fact, uh, Mark tells us that people were coming from everywhere to spend time with Jesus. And in fact, in, in Mark chapter 3, after he performed some miracles, uh, Jesus was becoming quite concerned by the crowds and, and was even uh, wondering or thinking through, you know what, guys, could you get a boat for me? Because I'm actually maybe a little bit in fear of this crowd pushing in and crushing me. 
Well, uh, in the course of the story that's unfolding, we know that there's a scene there in Mark chapter 3 where he goes up on a mountainside and, and he calls the 12, uh, he calls them out by name. He actually identifies 12 uh, individuals, 12 men that he's going to uh, walk closely with. And then what begins to happen now in the Gospel of Mark and this story that unfolds with, uh, uh, in the ministry of Jesus, he begins to put all of his focus now onto these 12. Not because he did, Jesus didn't care about the crowds, uh, he still had compassion, he cared about them and still spent time with them, but his effort and his focus now began to shift to these 12 men. And the story we pick up on today is on the back end of all of that after Jesus just had another altercation with some religious leaders who were endeavoring to say that he was possessed by a demon. And on the back end of that, Jesus begins to tell a story. And the story starts like this. In Mark chapter 4, verse 3, Jesus says, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no roots. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, it grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. And then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear or listen. Now, with these crowds coming, and this is very, one of the first instance we get in uh, the Gospel of uh, Mark, where, where Jesus begins to tell a story or a parable. What's a parable? Well, parables were kind of earthly stories that illustrated spiritual truths. And Jesus often talked in parables, appropriating familiar cultural scenes. This instance, it was agriculture, but other times it was family, it was weddings or even finances. And he did this to teach a larger truth about the kingdom of God. And in this instance, he calls to mind some images, some images from around uh, first century Palestine, images that would have been quite common to uh, the crowd uh, as they were kind of gathering to listen to Jesus, images they would have known and understood. Well, uh, Mark says to us that after telling the story, when he was finally alone with his 12 and a, a few others that were around him, Jesus then said to them these words. He said, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Now, what did Jesus mean by that? I mean, surely, didn't Jesus want everybody to know about the kingdom of God? Didn't Jesus want uh, everybody to know about the good news that he was kind of unveiling to people? Well, the answer to that is both yes and no. And let me explain to you why he was saying this. You see, Jesus understood that his message that he was now beginning to deliver about the kingdom of God was incredibly subversive. And it just couldn't be talked about in a straightforward way uh, on the streets. Jesus knew in that moment that the kingdom that he was talking about was not what people in his day necessarily wanted or even expected. And so therefore, he was happy to talk in parables. Uh, to talk in stories and to kind of keep the truth of the story hidden from those that are in the crowds that were really just indifference 
and not genuine seekers. But for all those that were truly hungry, for those who were spiritually seeking, for those who wanted to know more, Jesus was only too happy to want to explain the parable and the the point of what he was saying. And so with this in mind, Jesus then comes back to this small group of people. And he begins to explain the parable with these words. He said, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others like seeds sown on rocky places, they hear the word and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others like seeds sown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Let's just chase some of those images for a moment. You see, the first seed that fell onto the path didn't actually even get a chance to get started. This is like those who hear the good news, but it goes in one ear and out the other. And for some people on that day, people like the Pharisees, the scribes, the Herodians, the chief priests, etc., it was never going to matter what Jesus said to them or even did amongst them. It didn't matter how many miracles he was going to perform, uh, it wasn't going to change anything. They were always going to observe his deeds and come to the quick conclusion that he was just a little wacky. And then there was the second seed that fell along among some rocky soil that was probably just a little bit different. You see, it sprang up immediately, but the layer of rock lying just below the surface stopped the seed from taking its roots and from it being able to put its roots down in some deep, nourishing soil. You know, when it comes to people that uh, who hear the gospel, these are the ones who start with a big bang. And Jesus says that uh, they initially respond with great joy, but when times get tough, or when suffering comes their way, the wheels fall off and uh, they quickly begin to fizzle out. And then there was the third seed. The seed that fell amongst some thorn-infested soil. Now, this soil was not necessarily infertile, but it was so ridden with thorns that the good seed uh, just was simply suffocated and was not able to take root. And Jesus explains to us what the thorns are sometimes like. They are the, the cares of the world. They are the, it's the lure of wealth, and it's sometimes our desire for other things. And after talking about these three types of soil, Jesus then kind of comes and he describes a fourth soil. Soil that fell in, a seed that fell in some good soil and it produced a great crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. You see, where the seed fails, where the seed fails in different ways in the three other soils, here in this fourth soil, it springs to life and it grows and it bears a great yield. One story, one parable. And so as we sit here today or as we watch online, the question is, well, what does this parable of the sower and the soils have to say to us today? What's it mean? You know, uh, from a cursory glance, you hear this story, someone reads the story to you, you, you even listen, and you think, well, maybe it's just nothing more than some a quaint story about some 
uh, antiquated first century farming practices from, uh, from Palestine. But if you dig a little deeper, and if you linger a little longer in the word of God, and your heart is open to hear from him as you listen, you see, this story has some profound applications into our life today. You see, just as the paddock had some different yields, I think it's appropriate to say that this parable yields a number of different applications for us to carefully think about today. And just in our time that's left, uh, I just there was two this week that were just resonating with me that I thought, you know what, this is what I've got to share with us today. As we listen and, and as we kind of engage and listen to, to the word of King Jesus Two applications, and here is the first one. You see, this parable has something to say to us about sowing. See, in the story, the sower seems rather careless about uh, the task of scattering the seed, and he distributes it all over the place. You can imagine just this image that they would be accustomed to with the, this, this farmer casting seed as he walked throughout the fields. And you can just see that, imagine the seed going in all directions. Well, it's hard for us to comprehend because we would never engage in farming practices like that today. I mean, can you imagine our farmers that are kind of in, the, in, the, in, in regional Victoria kind of thinking, well, it's May and I think we're ready to kind of sow our crops. So they'd kind of put a bag of strain over their shoulder and out they'd wander and they'd just begin to kind of throw it out over their lands. I mean, if, if you were driving down the road, you saw someone do that, you, you'd kind of laugh at it. You'd think, well, what in the world are they doing? You see, a farmer today uh, in, uh, in kind of our 21st century, well, they'd spend a fair bit of time thinking about what they're going to do that year. They'd have carefully thought through their uh, paddock rotation. They'd be thinking about the best uh, seed planting techniques. They'd be thinking about the appropriate nutrition that needed to go in. And all of this would happen before they would then kind of engage with their GPS precise seeding techniques that would kind of sow their grain. And so we kind of listen to that story and we think, well... Of course, that's just wacky. I mean, who would really kind of do that? But you see, as you linger with this story and as you think about it a little bit more, it has something still to say to us about sowing. We have to remember that who was Jesus talking to as he began to really uh, unpack and to explain uh, this story? It was his disciples. It was this small group that he had now drawn to his side that for the next couple of years he was going to spend all of his time with. And, and at the beginning of this gospel, the gospel of Mark, Mark tells us uh, this story of, of what Jesus is telling his disciples. He is telling this group in this moment that the seed of God's word is for everyone, regardless of how people are going to respond. You see, we see a, a careless sower. But the whole point of that is that Jesus wants to get our attention to say, you know what, the word of God is for everyone. It's not just to be given to, into this good soil right here because we know that these are the group of people that are going to respond. Jesus is saying to this group of men around him that you are to take this word that is going and you are to spread the good news of Jesus to everyone wherever you might go. And so what's the application for us as we think about this? You see, if we sit in this room today or we watch online and we know that we are followers of Jesus, 
then for us too, then we have a part to play in the sowing of God's word, that this word that has been given to us, this experience, the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is, we have a responsibility as followers of Christ to scatter the word of God wherever we go. And so if we sit here today and we are a young person, we are still in school or maybe we're at TAFE and we're going to university, we have been called and empowered by the Holy Spirit to share the good news of Jesus wherever we go, regardless of who they might be. If we are a young parent here in this room, and isn't it great to hear the noise of children in this room? It reminds us that all the generations sit here in the life of this church. You see, if you're a young parent today and you are juggling the demands of an expanding family with all of the implications of that, I want to encourage you. You have been called and empowered by the Holy Spirit to share the the good news about Jesus first and foremost with your family. But wherever you go, you sit at McDonald's and your kids are playing on playgrounds and you're there with other families. There is your mission field. Or if you're carving out your career. And you're climbing the ladder and you're enjoying making a difference with where you might be. You have been called and empowered by the Spirit of God to share the good news of Jesus wherever you go. You know, I think there's another group of people that sit here today. You know, uh, maybe you're looking forward to retirement. Or you're actually enjoying those golden years and you're thinking, this is great. I've done my bits. I want to just remind you today, you've been called and empowered by the Holy Spirit to share the good news of Jesus, to sow the word of God wherever you go. See, the good news, it is for everyone. See, we're all called to sow. Sowers aren't called to be successful, but they are called to be faithful. We're called to scatter the gods wherever we go and to trust him with the results. Here's the second application. And this is where it gets a little bit more pointed. You see, I think this parable serves as a warning, causing everyone who are listening to conduct a soil test. You might call it an audit or a, uh, uh, an audit of the soil of your heart. And it causes us to naturally ask the question, well, what is the soil of my heart like today? Sometimes our hearts can be like the soil along the path. The seed of God's word, it goes out, but nothing is able to take root due to the hardness of our own hearts. In other words, our heart just simply remains untouched or unmoved about the good news of God's. And there's all kinds of reasons for that. Is that the condition of your heart today? Wherever you might be. Well, sometimes our hearts can be like the rocky soil. We might uh, enthusiastically receive uh, God's word, but then it just we give up on it when challenges suddenly come our way. You know, it's worth remembering that Jesus never promised those that would follow him, a life that would be free of trouble and oppression. In fact, as you read on through the Gospel of Mark, in Mark chapter 13, Jesus says that trials and tribulations are a regular pathway of what we must walk as Christian disciples. There's no way of avoiding that. 
And so we should not be surprised at all when tough times come, knowing that these are both going to refine us and grow us on our journey towards spiritual maturity in Christ. But sometimes, just sometimes, we feel like giving up. Or sometimes our hearts can be like the thorny soil. And this is perhaps maybe the greatest danger for many of us who are in this room today and call ourselves followers of Jesus, maybe watching online. The greatest danger because it's so easy for the concerns of this world to take over and to begin to dominate our lives. You know, our worries about whether we're going to have enough money become the things that the very thing that stops us from thinking about how we might use what God has given to us to be a blessing in the lives of other people. Or our longing to be known and to be loved by somebody else causes us to pursue relationships with others at the expense of pursuing ultimately our first love, our relationship with Jesus Christ. And sometimes maybe it's our passion for our recreational activities that uh, causes us to play at our worship, but to worship in our play. You see, it's not that these things are bad, that, that money and relationships and toys, none of those things are bad. In fact, they are gifts that have been given to us by God for us to enjoy. But left unchecked, they, just, they can easily choke out the priorities of God and stop us from bearing meaningful fruit in our lives. You know, does one of those soil types reflect your life today? Well, after speaking about these three types of bad soil, Jesus then declares that there's only one type of soil that we should all be aiming at. It's the good soil. Now, what makes a good soil good? Well, interestingly, if you've been following along in this story, Jesus doesn't actually tell us what makes it good. But what he does say to us is that wherever the word of God is received, as it should be, it always results in a great harvest. So what kind of soil is your heart today? You see, in this parable, there's only one seed that is sown, but uh, the soil in which it lands, it determines everything. And as I finish, I wonder what decision maybe as you think about this story, the, the parable of the sower and the soils, what decision is it that you are being called to make in your life? You see, maybe it's a decision to keep boldly sowing uh, the word, the, the, the good word, the, the love of Jesus Christ, wherever it is that you go. And for you, maybe there's someone today, you think, well, there's someone in my life, it's a family member right now, or, or maybe it's, it's a friend that you've got and you know that you need to keep pushing into that relationship. You, keep, you need to keep looking for opportunities where you can share about the love of Jesus with that person. You see, we've only got one, but one life and... According to Jesus, it's really important how we live that. Or maybe for you today, the decision is to, uh, to start or to keep working at cultivating a really good soil in your life. I mean, what does that look like? You know, you read the entirety of the Gospels and Jesus makes it clear if you hang out with him long enough what it looks like to cultivate a good soil. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. See, Jesus wasn't talking about money in that instance. But you know what? Where we place our treasure, what becomes where we put our time, what, what is our allegiance? 
That's what begins to to tell us whether we're cultivating a good or a bad soil. And so today, if we are treasuring uh, being with God in prayer or in worship or reading his word, what we are doing is that we are cultivating a good soil. You see, a good soil is not just uh, the result of doing one thing. It's something that we continue to do over and over again. It's part of the walk that we walk as followers of Jesus Christ. It's a process. Cultivating a good soil is a process. And it's never an event. So I wonder this morning... What decision or what is the Spirit of God saying to you today as we finish? You see, it's really clear that Jesus knew the heart of people. He understood. He he was not mesmerized by a crowd that was coming to him. He had compassion on them. He loved them deeply. It was his deepest desire that they would see that the kingdom of God is breaking into their world. And that they would respond to God. And so he said, listen. Please listen to what I'm about to say. And you know, I think for us today, the question still sits out there for us. Are, are we listening to King Jesus? And how he is calling us to respond. You know, as our team is coming back up this morning... I want to give us an opportunity today to respond. In the quietness of just this room, uh, I want to encourage you in just the next few moments, right where you are, to maybe bow your heads, close your eyes. This is one way of enabling you to focus. If you're online with us this morning, just to do the same thing. And maybe part of that way in which uh, uh, you want to sit there this morning is that maybe you want to hold your hands out in front of you. See, in doing that, you're actually just acknowledging before God, God, you know what? I, I sit before you right now with my hands open as a symbol of the fact that I, I want your spirit to speak to me. Is there something that you are asking of me right now that you want me to do in my life? I want to allow you to linger in that moment to talk to God. The Spirit of God's at work in this room right now. And then in just a moment, I'm going to pray for us. What's the Spirit of God saying to you right now? As you think about the parable 
of the sower and the soils. Are you listening? Father, we don't want to walk out of this room this morning without sensing, feeling, or even experiencing the work of your Spirit right now in our lives. Whatever that nudge might be that we sense, the the thought that seems to be most predominant in our minds, as we reflect on your word, Father, that's what your Holy Spirit's saying to us today. And for some of us, that can be a little scary. It could be quite convicting. Father, we want to just acknowledge and say thank you to you for the work of your spirit that lives within us. And we humble ourselves before you today because you are King Jesus. And we don't want to just be hearers of the words, but we want to be doers of your words. We want to live in a way as your people, as men and women, young and old. We want to live in obedience before you today. So, Father, we ask that your spirit, you'd have your way in our life today. That you would move us. Move us to to live our faith boldly. To share your word, to look for opportunities wherever we go. Lord, we ask that you would also continue to keep cultivating a good soil in our lives. God, your word says that by our fruit, by what same people will know us. So we ask that you would continue to cultivate a fruit of love, of joy, of peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, self-control. God, all of this fruit would be evidently growing in our life. as we follow your son, Jesus. Father, if there's someone here in this room this morning that maybe is thinking right now that really the soil that best describes my life, it's, it's the path. It's heart. Father, would you tell them right now that you love them? that you have pulled out all the stops for them and the fact that you sent your one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die for them so they might experience a full and vibrant and abundant life. Father, we thank you for your goodness in both the good and the bad. 
in those moments when we just experience all of so much of what you're doing around us and we celebrate, but even in those moments when we're not quite sure what you are doing, we hang on to you. We declare that you are good. And we ask that you would continue to keep doing your good work in our lives. Lord, may our lives honor you today. In Jesus' name.